And from the venerable offices of the Commercial Dispatch in fabulous downtown Columbus, this is your Bully Banter Podcast. I am Dispatch Sports Editor Tom Rosinski, along with our all-seeing, all-knowing Bulldogs beat reporter Theo DeRosa. You've been away for a while, Theo. Welcome back. Thank you, Tom. It really has been a while. It's been about four weeks since we recorded our last episode, and quite a bit has happened. Not a ton. We've had the holidays, we've had breaks, we've had COVID, and there's a lot to catch up on still. The main story we're going to start with is the Liberty Bowl. December 28th, Mississippi State did not deliver the performance we kind of expected. Instead, Texas Tech delivered that performance. 34-7 the final score. Mississippi State just did not end the bowl and did not play well at all. They had a lot of guys out, several defensive starters missing, likely due to COVID, though they would never confirm that for us. And even the offense was just not on that night, and Mississippi State ends the season at 7-6. and six. I think that was the bigger problem if you're a Mississippi State fan, because you knew we had a lot of defensive guys out, you knew that'd be a mess. But offensively, you figure you still had your quarterback, you still had guys to throw to. Seven points is just astonishing on one level. It really is. And again, I don't want to... Different teams go into bowls with different attitudes, different mindsets, but everything you read and heard, it sounded like they were into the right frame of mind going into this one, and it just came up just totally flat. Defensively, I totally understand it. They had a lot of guys out. Texas Tech is not awful. Um, considering their coaching situation, you think they might have just punted it, but they didn't. They definitely showed up. But I, I think it's the state offense that was more of a disturbing thing if you're a state fan than the defense. I agree. They were missing one key offensive player, and he is a key offensive player, left tackle Charles Cross, but he's an offensive lineman. I mean, it's not like Will Rogers was out, unfortunately for Cross. I mean, the quarterback being out would make a lot bigger difference. There was a lot more pressure, I would say, on Rogers than the more recent games. You could kind of see where that was coming from, but Cross's absence isn't the only reason they didn't score that many points. I mean, you put seven points up, that's going to be a problem no matter who's playing. And I think the way you phrased it was entirely appropriate. It was a very disappointing ending to a a respectable season. It wasn't a great season by any stretch, but it had great moments. It had some really odd moments. In some ways, it was a a nice season because you didn't know what was going to happen from week to week. Drives coaches crazy, but it's fun for fans. At least those of us who don't have a rooting interest in most of these games. But it was a very interesting year for a program that clearly is pointed in the right direction. I agree. I mean, compared to last year, Leach's first year, it was really kind of a slog. I mean, they had so many games where they just scored two points or got shut out. And this year, you didn't see that. I mean, there was this was the worst offensive performance of the year, I think. Alabama, they scored nine points. But beside that, they put up 25 or more in like every game. You could clearly see the improvement. And that is something that Leach's teams do typically do. You saw it this year. They put together some really good wins, as you said. Definitely some frustrating losses, including the Egg Bowl. They really had a chance at that game. But ultimately, 7-6, and six, they go to a bowl again, and pretty much everyone is coming back. And speaking of coming back, what is on the menu for next year? Uh, we've got a pretty tough schedule if you're Mississippi State because you trade Vanderbilt for Georgia on the SEC slate. Non-conference is not too bad. Memphis comes here, they go to Arizona, and they host Bowling Green and East Tennessee State. Now, East Tennessee State did knock off an SEC opponent this year. Sort of. But, yeah, I was going to say, does it even count if that SEC team is Vanderbilt? There were years it did. This wasn't one of them, and next year probably won't be one of them either. Um, looking at that, playing Arizona was a great idea. It just happens that Arizona is awful right now. I don't know when they scheduled this game, but likely when Arizona wasn't so bad. Um, and you want to play different Power 5 teams just for your, for your program's sake, for your kids. It's, it's just fun. We like those matchups. 
and you have four non-conference spots to fill, might as well have one be a legitimate team. It's the only Power 5 team on the schedule, and it's one that happens to be terrible. So you have two games they really should win, one game they'll be very motivated for, and then Arizona. Looks like 4-0. You would think so. I think anything less than that really would be a disappointment. That's the downside, like you said, with playing Arizona right now. They're so bad that there's not much to gain from that game, but there's certainly a lot to lose. And that game's out there? It is in Tucson on September 10th in the heat. Hopefully Dry heat. Yes, but quite hot nonetheless. I've been out there. Uh, it's very much like Las Vegas, so I know the climate very well. Um, night game, I assume? I haven't released it yet, but It'll I be a really night game. hope so. <laughs> It'll be a, they don't play very many day games in Arizona, at least not in September, certainly. Um, it'll be a fun game just because it's a different opponent, really. Mm-hmm. It'll be a fun game to watch just for that reason. Uh, but Arizona's a mess. They really are. Yeah, and as far as who's coming back, I mean, Mississippi State will return most of this 2021 team next year. Some key guys who won't be coming back, Aaron Brule transferred to Michigan State, Martin Emerson and Charles Cross declared for the draft, and top receiver Makai Polk declared for the draft. That's going to be a big loss. Polk went over 1,000 yards this year. He had the second most receptions in the country, set several school records in Leach's air raid, but uh, he's turning pro because he just had a really good season and... Can't blame him. Go catch it. Strike while the iron is hot. Um, and, of course, in college football these days, you, you always see who's going out, but it's not the time of year you see who's coming in yet. That transfer portal does work both ways, and fans get frustrated when they're losing players. But, you know, darn well, there'll be people looking for homes, and there are certain types of players that would very much like to play for a coach like Leach in a place like Mississippi State. So don't get too don't fret too much over who you're losing just yet. Yeah, Leach got Polk through the transfer portal from Cal, and there's no reason to think he can't get some other players through the portal on offense and defense. And before we say goodbye to football, there is a small matter of the last, well, not the last game, was not the Texas Bowl. That was a great appetizer for the college football playoff championship game. But uh, we still have one game left and a, a bowl season to briefly sum up. Um, those of us who don't like seeing the same teams play each other twice in a month are not thrilled with this matchup, but as far as a football game, it should be a lot of fun as long as the same thing doesn't happen that happened the first time. Uh, will the same thing happen again? I don't think the same thing will happen. I still think Alabama's going to win right now. I think they're the better team, even though Georgia had a better regular season. It is Alabama, and they just beat this team about a month ago. But I don't think it'll be quite as lopsided. I know it was like a 17-point final, and Georgia led at the beginning. But Alabama really controlled that game after the first few minutes, and I think Georgia's going to step it up a little bit to stop that from happening this time. I think they have a better plan of attack defensively against what Alabama can bring. You know, often the team that won the first game is at a bit of a disadvantage because the other team knows what to not do the second time around, and the first team has to readjust to what they're going to do. So it, it might take Alabama a little longer this time to figure out how to control the game, but you kind of think somehow they'll figure it out eventually and do so. Um, there have always been coaches that coached well in bowl season. Same holds for the playoff systems. Um, Nick Saban knows what to do this time of year, and he's got the players to do it because they always have a top recruiting class. Georgia does as well, but Kirby Smart will have that. That'll be gnawing at him until he wins one of these things. Um, I, I think it's kind of unfair to have Alabama be the team you can't beat. It's not like you're in the MAC and you can't beat Miami of Ohio or something. This is a team that most people don't beat. But still in all, Georgia has the talent to do it. Just a matter where they have everything else to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's a little unfair because Alabama is going to continue to be a national power. But this is the year that Georgia is supposed to have. Like, this is the team that's supposed to be the best in college football. And if you can't beat Alabama in two shots, then there might be worth the conversation about something. 
No, if you can't beat him this time around, you probably have to wait for Nick Saban to leave. Yeah, and he might be 70, but I don't know if that's going to happen that soon. Well, look how long Paterno... Oh, wait, we don't talk about that. Uh, I was going to say, look how long Paterno lasted, but that didn't go well toward the end. Now did it. Uh, and he knew, by the way, but we move on. Um, let's just take a quick look at the SEC's bowl season. If we take out the teams that made the playoffs, not so good, folks. Strength everywhere conference? I don't think so. Three teams won their bowl games. One of them was Arkansas beating Penn State. Another was Kentucky that had to come from behind after leading most of the way to beat Iowa. And South Carolina did have an easy time in its game with North Carolina. Everybody else, not so much. Now, a couple of them, obviously, Matt Crowell gets hurt. You don't think Mississippi is going to beat Baylor. Uh, you probably didn't know what would happen in Purdue, Tennessee. Purdue won that game in overtime. Um, Houston beats Auburn. Now, yes, Houston's a very good team, but not a Power 5 team. We know how some people think. Shouldn't be losing the non-Power 5 teams. Well, they're about to be, right? Well, I'll get to that in a second. Another one of the non-Power 5 teams was UCF, which beat Florida. Guess where they're going? Also to the Big 12. And, of course, my personal fave, Army beats Missouri without running for 6,000 yards. How Army won that game without running up and down the field, I do not know. Because they're not supposed to be able to throw the ball. Army just doesn't do that. But the thing that I wanted to mention, as you said, Houston and UCF both being in the power conference soon, every other team that broke the ceiling when it was the BCS era, most of them ended up being in power conferences. Utah did it once. TCU did it. TCU was in the Rose Bowl once. How weird is that? Um, Not so much Boise because they're in Idaho. Nobody wants them. Uh, Pac-12 doesn't want them because they have those other standards they like to go by, and they actually take them somewhat seriously. Uh, Hawaii didn't get in any place, all for a similar reason. Uh, they obviously got to the Sugar Bowl that one year, but they didn't get an invite to a power conference. But other schools that, that did that didn't wait too long to get in. Uh, I this should, The only other team besides Houston and UCF in that position is Army, and they have made it fairly clear they don't really want to go back to being in a conference. They tried Conference USA a while back, for those of you who remember. It didn't go that well. Uh, Army is a school that likes to play enough teams so they have a decent record and they'll play a couple of good teams just to see if they can knock off somebody and they usually play well in those games but they're not looking to play seven, eight, nine games against good competition. That's not what Army's about nor should it be what Army's about. No, the Army is about crushing smaller opponents on and off the football field. Absolutely. I mean, how do you get, how do you get warmed up for attacking Grenada unless it's by playing, you know, Liberty? Although Liberty now is pretty decent, but, you know, at the time. Uh, Army will play Lafayette. Army will play William and Mary. Army will play Connecticut. I love picking on Connecticut. Um, We play them every year back when I was in school. I don't know when the last time Army played Rutgers was. But Army will play a couple of decent games a year. And, of course, they have Navy and Air Force, which some years are not so good. Some years can be quite good. Um, But anyway, those are the three schools that were non-Power 5 teams that beat SEC teams. Um, three and seven, not really what you're looking for. Does anyone really care? No, especially with so many opt-outs and so many players um, either decl- not just declaring early, but declaring they're going to leave. A couple have actually played for their current teams, which is kind of cool to see. Not to mention how many coaches, shall we say, opted out. Um, they have got to do something about that early signing period. they got to just trash that and go back to February because all it does is make coaching turnover nuttier. And you had interim coaches who already have other jobs coaching bowl games. That's just nuts. I don't care if it worked. That's crazy. The the sport has always been deep down inside, kind of a cesspool. Let's face it. Let's be honest. 
There's always been stuff going on we don't like, stuff we pretend not to talk about and just let sweep under the rug. But the stuff that's up front is awful now. You have coaches and players deciding that they don't really want to play. They don't really want to coach. They have better things to do. And I think we have to get rid of that early signing period. Whatever it was supposed to do, it did a lot more things that are worse. Um, and I'm not talking to someone who hates NIL and thinks that play- – no, I'm not. I'm talking about just purely what it means to what's supposed to be the best time of year in college football. I just don't understand why people would do anything that would take away from Bulls that have already been hurt because of the playoffs. There's my two cents on that. I can see it for players. I really get their side. And, I mean, you have millions to lose, and you certainly can lose them. It does happen. Jake Butt, that happened to some other players. Uh, This year, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa, the offensive lineman, got hurt in his bowl game, as did Corral from Ole Miss. Now, both of those injuries I don't think are horribly serious, but they could have been, and you could say they're not, but there's certainly, for every one of those, there is an ACL tear mm-hmm. or a torn Achilles, and that can cost players millions. Absolutely. I don't blame them for opting out. I think people could certainly understand it, even if they don't agree. Um, I actually do agree. I just don't like it. Uh, why don't they opt out of the conference championship games? They don't mean anything. It's not like you have to win one to go to a bowl game most of the time. Maybe um, that's next. It will be. I guarantee it's going to be next. Um, there's enough money floating around where all of these guys should have a reasonable insurance policy against injury. Um, I th- now, don't go yelling about the NCAA. It has very little control over college football at the highest level. It has lots of control at the lower levels, hardly any at the highest level. So don't go yelling about them. But the people who are making money... Um, the conferences with their TV contracts, because that's who has the TV contracts. It's the conferences, folks. It's not the NCAA like it was the basketball. Um, you have a lot of money floating around. There's no reason in the world they can't insure players who get that far, who have an opportunity to play in a bowl game. So, yes, they still might choose not to play, but at least they know they're not going to get totally screwed if they do and get hurt. Because you can get hurt. Let's face it. We've had people get hurt in every game in college football ever had. Um the bowl game should not be the one where people don't want to play in, even though I totally understand it and totally respect it. I think it is, and you'd probably agree with this, very different for coaches, especially coaches that rail against players opting out, which Mike Leach did, and yeah. he did leave Oklahoma early as offensive coordinator to take the Texas Tech job. He left before the bowl game. Maybe he doesn't remember that. It was all of 20 years ago, but I think it's a little hypocritical to Gee, say that. And he then, remembers what happened to Texas Tech. He sure remember what happened at Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't know if he'll still want that check now, but uh, <laughs> probably. It seems like that's never going to get out of his mind completely. No, no. And, and if, I know in his mind he was not treated fairly, and it's hard to overcome not being treated fairly. It's one thing if things just don't go your way. But if you think some individual or institution didn't treat you right, you just don't forget about that, especially when it's millions of dollars on the line. Um, so I, I, in a way, he should just, for PR reasons, just let it go because he looks stupid. But in terms of actual morality, ethics, slash what happened, I, I don't think he's that wrong. Assuming he has a case. I don't know the details. I don't want to pretend to do. I, I remember the whole situation. But uh, let's just say I don't think that Craig James is on his Christmas card list. I agree. I think... He may not have a legal case, but there's definitely, like, you can probably pretty definitively say they fired him because they didn't want to pay him. And you can see why he would want the money that they would do to pay him the next day. But he did, uh, I don't think he has a legal case. Probably not. 
Because let's face it, if, if what happened, if the allegations are true with that player, and I don't know, again, I don't know, I don't want to, I remember at the time of being a big deal, I was more interested in that kind of nonsense back then as I am now. Um, but if those allegations are entirely true, they can fire him for cause. It doesn't matter what day they do it. It could be a week before he's due that payment. It could be a month. It could be an hour and a half. They could have done that at 11.59 p.m. It'd still be okay if those allegations are in fact true. And I'm sure the university felt it was on fairly solid ground. Universities don't want to be dragged through the mud any more than the rest of us do. Um, but it is interesting. But we got to get this coaching. Because let's face it, players are looking out for not just themselves, but in many cases their families. A lot of these kids don't come from rich backgrounds. They could be set for life with one NFL contract. Coaches tend to already be set when they're leaving for their positions. Brian Kelly didn't leave because he was poor. Brian Kelly didn't leave Notre Dame when they're still in contention for a playoff because he wasn't making enough money. He wanted to make more money. Do I blame him? No, of course not. But how in the world do you do that the week before the playoffs are going to be announced when you are end up being the number five team in the rankings? That's obscene, people. Of course, they're the same coach that basically killed the guy at practice once and got away with it. But, you know, hey, whatever. Um, no, something's got to be done about this coaching situation. Speaking of killing guys, DJ Durkin is on the move from Ole Miss to Texas A&M. So there's that. <sighs> okay. <laughs> uh, last topic on football. Uh, I'm sure there was some rumblings about Cincinnati not belonging in the playoff after that game. Put a sock in it, people. Let's review, shall we? There have been 14 semifinal matchups previously. The average point margin is 21. They lost by 21. Every year this crap happens. And let's review the teams that have lost by the, that figure and worse. Florida State, that at the time was a football factory. They lost, got beat by 39 points against Oregon. And in the final, Oregon turns around loses by 22 to Ohio State. Oklahoma, football factory, loses by 20 points to Clemson. Michigan State, not a factory, but still 38 points. Ohio State loses by 31. Clemson loses by 18. My, but Notre Dame, let's face it, if any one team shouldn't be here because things keep happening to them, it's Notre Dame. 30-3 to, to Clemson, 31-14 to Alabama in, that was two years apart. Oklahoma loses by 35 points to LSU. Now, granted, that was one of those amazing everything-comes-together seasons for LSU, and nothing should count if you played LSU that year. That's never going to happen again. You're not going to have that whole, let's face it, the guys that have a job, how many years later? So that was just lightning in a bottle for LSU. And they also beat Clemson by 17 points after the week after that. Um, so the point is, this constantly happens. Don't take it out on Cincinnati because you didn't like them being there. Right, they played just as well as any other team that's been in that position against Alabama. And they were and defensively played better. Yeah, Their offense couldn't handle Alabama, which is not a shock. But their defense didn't get run over. And Alabama ran. Mm-hmm. That was actually very, very cool to see. I mean, Saban's no fool. Yeah, I mean, it was like 10-3 to 3 most of the way into the first half. I don't think that's a blowout, really. I mean, it ended up, you know, three touchdowns, but it wasn't some horribly uncompetitive no. game like we've seen. And here's a shocker. Alabama's a lot better than somebody else. Oh, let's stop the presses. So, again, uh, was I thrilled with those matchups? No, they weren't fun to watch. But um, it gets you back to the whole idea that some coaches know how to prepare teams for playing this time of year when they have a long layoff, and some coaches either haven't done it much or don't know how to do it. I think we're going to move on to some other sports yes, now. Yes, we will. Mississippi State men's basketball is 4-1 and one in its last five games since we last recorded an episode. Yeah, they've only played five times in four weeks. 
They're supposed to play tonight, Wednesday night, but that game against Missouri was canceled due to COVID-19 with Missouri. So their next game is Saturday against Ole Miss. Since early December, they have lost to Colorado State before beating Georgia State, Furman, Winthrop, and then Arkansas. MSU is 1-0 in SEC play. They just beat Arkansas by, I think, 13 points last Wednesday. Uh, Pretty solid showing all around. Now, Arkansas turned around and lost at home to Vanderbilt last night, so maybe that's not as good a sign as it could have been, but MSU is 1-0 and going for 2-0 this week. But the Colorado State loss still looks good. It does. Colorado State has not played since then, but they are still unbeaten and 10-0, and I think they're playing tonight or something like that. It is remarkable how many teams have not played since X. Uh, UCLA hasn't played in a month or something. They're like 9-0, but they're something like that, but it's been a while. It's insane. I'll also show you how they played too many games too early, by the way. You shouldn't have nine wins you haven't played in a month. You just shouldn't. Basketball, college basketball starts Thanksgiving weekend, darn it. Not anymore. It's it like should. November 9th. <laughs> it's crazy. Teams are like 8-1 and one by December 1st. Yeah. I mean, they're, what, 13 games already for Mississippi State, and we're one game into conference play, and then you've got the Big 12 SEC Challenge or SEC Big 12 Challenge. That's going to be on the 29th against Texas Tech. I wonder if Mike Leach will be at the game. Gosh. It's at Texas Tech, so oh. probably I don't think he's allowed to enter the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as the women's side of things, the women are 3-2 and two since early December. They won at UT Martin, lost to Troy, beat Jacksonville, sorry, Jackson State and South Carolina State before losing at South Carolina, the number one team in the country, despite losing to Missouri. By the way, I'm just going to point that out for no reason. And uh, Carolina remains number one, and... It's 80 to 68, fairly competitive game. And they had no time to prepare for that game. No, it got it was, rescheduled. It was, it was a surprise because both teams lost games to COVID. It's like, well, we can just move up our game to this spot and not waste the day. And they didn't. Yeah, they announced it one day before the game actually happened there in Columbia, South Carolina, Mississippi State. Not too bad. It, yeah, it's a lot easier to be number one playing at home than playing on the road against number one with no, no time to prepare for it. So I thought it was a pretty decent showing for them. Mm-hmm. And then Mississippi State's game against Kentucky was rescheduled for, I believe, the 13th, so next Friday. Right, that just came out yesterday? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next Thursday. Uh, Yeah, so those with uh, basketball and a couple short things. Baseball season starts February 18th against Long Beach State. February 18th. Today, a perfect game named pitcher Landon Sims, a first-team preseason All-American. Catcher Logan Tanner was a third-team selection. Softball starts February 11th against Loyola Marymount in Irvine, and Mississippi State will later that day play Oklahoma, the defending national champions, and coach Samantha Ricketts' alma mater. The next day, they will play UCLA, so they're playing the top two teams in college softball right off the bat. Way to build that strength of schedule ranking. I love them doing that, but every year, and I know it happens every year, it's been happening forever, but I always think it just comes up so fast. It really does. It's like the middle of winter, and then they're playing in Florida or California or something. And then you'll see the northern teams come down here for spring break and play teams during that week and try to get like eight games in seven days to catch up a little bit, which they can't do because you just can't make up for a month of bad weather. Yeah, looking ahead a little bit, Mississippi State has a nice little early March stretch. They play Tulane in New Orleans for three games. Tulane's a good program. And then they go back to Biloxi to face Texas Tech again. So we're getting Texas Tech matchups in like every major sport now. In Biloxi? Yes. They played two years ago. It was literally the day before COVID happened, like the 10th and 11th of March last year. They got those games in and then shut down. So we're going to have a rematch of that series, which Mississippi State won both games. Yeah, I'm sure it'll draw, too. 
It should be. I mean, defending national champions, you're going to have to ha- have to imagine the attendance at Duty Noble this year is going to be spectacular, at least for the first few games, if the weather holds up. Yeah, well, that's always a big thing in baseball, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you give people a reason to go and they'll go. It's, it's very hard. There aren't many places you can win and not have fans show up the next year. There are some. I'm not going to deny it, but Southern states... Baseball should not be one of those things. Um, I mean, look how many people used to go to Miami games when they were good every year. I mean, real good every year. Texas was a powerhouse for years. They had huge attendance numbers. Back then, Harley and Bills had a big baseball stadium. Now a lot of schools do. And you're going to see them. You'll, you'll see that place filled. There's no question about it. Yeah, it's a pretty cool place. You'll have to check it out for a game because it really is one of the best in college baseball, if not the best venue. I am looking forward to baseball season, baseball and softball. It's such a relaxed pace after the frantic pace of basketball games. I mean, I know when you go to a college basketball game, everything is done for you. But when you cover high school basketball games, you got to keep up with it. Tain easy. Sure so, do. Looking forward to basketball and softball season, but still not February 11th. That's nuts. Yeah, that's like five weeks from yesterday. So that's going to be fun. Something like that. Guess we'll have to be ready for that. Think so? I think that wraps us up for this week. We'll see you next week on Bully Banter.